This is the San Francisco Experience with your host, Jim Herlihy. Independent news commentary featuring newsmakers, thought leaders, and authors. Season 11, Episode 7, Storytelling to Build a Better San Francisco. In conversation with Carly Schwartz, Editor-in-Chief, the San Francisco Examiner. Our guest today is Carly Schwartz, Editor-in-Chief of the San Francisco Examiner. Carly has a mission to reposition the iconic San Francisco Examiner newspaper as a newspaper of the 21st century. Good afternoon, Carly. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. My pleasure. Carly, give us a sense of your biography, your background. We chatted a little before we hit the record button here, and you have a fascinating international background, tech background, newspaper background, so please share it with our listeners. Thank you so much. Well, I always joke that I try to escape journalism over and over again, and I just keep getting pulled back in because... It is my first love is, is storytelling and mentorship through storytelling. So I started my career when I was 18 years old in an internship at my hometown paper, which was the Hartford Currents in Connecticut, and caught the bug there, studied journalism, magazine journalism specifically at Northwestern University. My first job out of college was as a fact checker at San Francisco Magazine. I basically landed in San Francisco upon graduating college and realized this was the most phenomenal city I had ever been to. I just fell deeply, deeply and intrinsically in love with, with this city. And I, I actually was born here and I, I, I didn't grow up here, but having my roots here and being able to walk past the apartment I was born in and spent my you know first months on earth, it just, I've, I've always felt really connected to this place. I was lucky enough to find my way to the opportunity of launching the HuffPost San Francisco Bureau in my mid-20s. So I was, I kind of started my local news career doing that on behalf of Huffington Post. Then I later moved to HuffPost headquarters in New York for a role as deputy national editor, where I was actually overseeing all of the bureaus throughout the country, excuse me. And then I turned 30 and realized I had yet to really see the world as an adult. I had spent my entire past decade with my head down just pursuing this really intense career in online news. And so I quit my job and I enrolled in a, I, I earned a fellowship in Mexico City to work with indigenous women in the mountains on microfinance initiatives. And I started freelance writing and, and just kind of traveled around for for two years through Latin America. I ended up in Panama for a stint where I was able to open up a journalism and storytelling institute in the middle of the jungle of all places for folks to come study with me and building a curriculum made me realize how much I love kind of teaching the art of storytelling. And then I wound up at Google for a few years. I I always wanted to try a career in big tech and was lucky enough to bring an element of journalism into that. I, I created an internal news platform that I would joke was like Google's school newspaper, if Google had a school <laughs> newspaper. Um, I had journalists all over the company writing articles for me about everything Google could possibly have its hands in and ended up drumming up a really big readership and kind of a loyal following, which was really, really fun. At a, Google is like its own universe. And so being the voice of that universe, you just you have kind of access and conversations that you never 
thought were possible to have in a workplace. And while I was there, I also launched a series of storytelling workshops where I would facilitate workshops at different offices around the world for employees to teach them how you can use storytelling for healing, for change, for for social movements, for better communication. And then this examiner opportunity came along and I was really, really happy at Google. I never really thought about leaving. And when this opportunity came across my lap, I realized, you know, it, it always had been a dream of mine to to run a newspaper in San Francisco, in the city I love, uh-huh. you know, more than anywhere else. And I can point back to a very specific moment. I was 25 years old and I was at the Legion of Honor for an exhibition about the history of the Hearst Empire. And I was sitting in a theater watching a documentary about the Hearst legacy. And it it just kind of struck me like lightning, like, oh, my gosh, one day I want to do that. One day I want to <laughs> take a newspaper in San Francisco, which is a dying art in itself. And I want to revive it and I want to bring it into the 21st century. And I want to build community through storytelling. And I want to be at the helm of that. And I remember riding my bike home in the rain that night. It was this very kind of poetic moment thinking like, yes, I have this North Star. I have this goal. And so even though I, I really strayed from that on my path, seeing this examiner opportunity come across was kind of like that North Star coming back to life for me. And so it was almost like I had returned to my roots. And so I couldn't say no once it materialized. It felt like returning to this sort of age-old dream. I there to happen this fast. You are living your dream. I mean, you... you... I don't know. Sometimes I would say I'm not quite living my dream. <laughs> well, it sounds it, it, it sounds like it to me. I mean, you you had this vision at the Legion of Honor. What better place to be inspired and to to have a vision of the future and yeah, the Huff Post, Google, your stint in Latin America. I had a stint in Latin America, and I also had a side hustle in journalism in Ecuador and Chile. So you're a woman after a woman after my own heart. Uh, I did it well, many. <laughs> Now, now tell me, tell me about storytelling, because, of course, that's one of your missions in repositioning the San Francisco Examiner here in the city of San Francisco. And for the, of course, the San Francisco Examiner is not only a city newspaper, it's also a regional newspaper. And of course, in the past, it was also a national newspaper. Mm -hmm. So how is, how is storytelling going to be incorporated into the new Examiner? And gosh knows, we have plenty of problems and a major image problem, which we'll come on to talk about a little bit later in the podcast. We have so many issues here in San Francisco that have developed and exploded in the last two or three years. How do you think storytelling and your experience with storytelling, which you're going to be incorporating into the San Francisco Examiner, how do you think that's going to help us here in San Francisco with the problems that we face at City Hall? in the police, law enforcement? Yeah, absolutely. Let's see where to start. So <laughs> storytelling, yeah, it's a complicated question, but, but honestly, it has a pretty simple answer, storytelling in service of building a better city. So storytelling is the most powerful tool we have as human beings. Human beings are uniquely positioned as the one species on earth that communicates through storytelling, that experiences the world through storytelling. We're telling stories to ourselves all day long. Think about the conversations you have with friends throughout the day. 95% of those are told in the form of stories about your past experiences. When you go to sleep at night, you dream in, in narrative stories. 
you're told bedtime stories from an early age, fables are passed down from generation to generation. It really is how we make sense of the world around us. And so I always think of storytelling as kind of a reflection of where we're at in society. So human beings are inherently defined by the stories we tell ourselves, right? Like we are the stories we tell ourselves. If you want to get philosophical about it, storytelling is our way of making sense of the world. So what about using storytelling to tell the story of how things should be, how things can be, Mm -hmm. to reflect the best version of yourself? And that's where I think San Francisco comes in. All of the news stories you read about San Francisco these days are about San Francisco, you know, losing its losing its soul and San Francisco jumping the shark and San Francisco being just an inherently broken, corrupt, homeless infested wasteland. And sure, that's all true. But if you just keep perpetuating that narrative over and over again, then we're just going to dig ourselves deeper into that hole. I want to use the examiner to sort of excavate ourselves out of that hole by exploring, well, what are, what do we do about it now? What are some things we could actually try and experiment with to build a better city for ourselves? And what are some things that are already happening that we can celebrate? Because there are pockets of beauty throughout San Francisco. There are pockets of communities coming together, making the city a better place to live and work. And this doesn't mean you have to be Pollyannish about it and only shed light on things that are working, but it does mean you can take a more complex stance towards these issues we're facing and not just shed light on the problems, but then go deep into what those solutions might look like and how they would play out, you know, for better or worse. And that's what I hope the new San Francisco Examiner is able to do. You know, I hope we're able to do many things. I have this whole five-pronged approach that I can talk you through if you're interested, but, but really that core is storytelling in service of building a better city, because if we are the stories we tell ourselves, then let's be the best version of ourselves that we possibly can be. Let's reflect that in our pages. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And tell us, tell us about your five-pronged approach. I mean, this is your, this is your opportunity to, to talk to the people of the Bay Area and beyond about t- resurrecting this iconic newspaper. And, you know, so many people these days say print journalism is dead. Most people seem to get their news from the, from the Internet. And tell me what your five-point plan is to change that and to to make print journalism relevant again. Well, it's not so much a plan to revive print journalism so much as it's a plan to segment our content in five key ways so that we're really getting at five really strategic buckets and five really strategic principles that will shine through in our coverage so that we're, we're just approaching journalism a little bit differently. We're not we're not chronicling the city, you know. No pun intended. We're not, you know, we're not (laughs) going to be a blotter of crime. We're not going to be a TikTok of this happened at the board of supervisors meeting today. And this happened here and this happened there. And without really making sense of it, I mean, we have such a small newsroom compared to our competitors here that, that we have to be really choosy about the stories we do. And if we just try to report on everything that every other news outlet is reporting on, then we're basically just a less good version of those other news outlets, you know, and we're just rushing to cover the same breaking news stories that everybody else is. We want to do what I call thought scoops, intellectual scoops, rather than, you know, being the first on the scene of a really gnarly car crash or something like that. The five sections that we're looking at to accomplish this are 
outlined in our new print redesign, which actually this podcast is perfect timing because our print redesign dropped this past weekend and it's been getting a lot of really positive attention. So I'm thrilled about that. And we've segmented it into five categories. So the first is findings. And that's where we really get a chance to, you know, rather than chronicle, as I say, to really examine, to live up to our namesake, to to tell the stories behind the headlines, to go deeper. What is that sort of day two analysis that allows us to fundamentally make sense of the events unfolding in our city rather than just daily play-by-play of the events as they unfold? So that's finding. The second is fixes, which is the solutions-oriented reporting. So Daddy, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a member of the Solutions Journalism Network. It's a huge movement around the world, and they've conducted studies that show solutions-oriented journalism helps increase problem-solving skills and motivates readers to be more involved in their communities mm-hmm. and helps readers come away from the news with a sense of optimism and hope for the future. So that's our fixes section is what are we looking at what are the ways we can actually begin to address the myriad problems facing San Francisco rather than just spinning ourselves into a tizzy over the fact that these problems exist? And then the third is faces. So I'm a firm believer that a city is only good as the people who comprise it. And that's really where the soul of the city lives is in its people. So through our faces section, we want to celebrate all the different personalities and voices from across the city. So how do we amplify voices that aren't necessarily heard often and how do we how do we really explore the nuances of the city that we spend all of our time in you know through the people who make up its fabric that's the faces section then we have forum which is our chance to really crusade you and i were talking about crusading before we started recording today but how do we use storytelling to not shy away from a sharp and searing point of view, to hold our elected officials accountable, to really go point counterpoint on the biggest issues. You know, is our school board failing us? Is our what is our school board doing right? You know, from the perspective of parents and lawmakers and and stakeholders. That's just one example of the many debates we hope to have in that section. But forum is really that opinion section. And then five is fanfare, which is capturing the local zeitgeist, because I really do think this moment in time is unique and interesting as we emerge from the pandemic. And culture plays a huge role of that. So role in that. So so what does our culture look like right now? What are people doing to celebrate through music and art and sports and leisure and food? And and how is how do we bring that sort of magic and culture to life through our pages? So you'll notice that that all the five sections start with the letter F. We were joking that they're the F words, and we were like, maybe we should just have a section called F this. Yeah, and just write about everything that sucks, but we're we're not doing an F this section. We're just going to stick to these five for now. Well, so just to recap, then the five F strategy: number one, findings; number two, fixes; number three, faces. Four, Forum, which will be your Crusade opinion page. And number five, Fanfare. So there are the five Fs of your five-pronged strategy. Makes sense. Exactly. And you've, you've, distilled, you've distilled a newspaper down into these five objectives. And they all start with an F. It makes eminent sense to me. Thank you. We're, we wanted to do something that made a statement that wasn't, you know, politics tech, nation, world, you know, just those traditional newspaper sections. We want to say this is how we're dividing up our coverage because this is how we can best 
dissect our city in service of making it better, I believe. And then we're going to have tactical strategies. We have our beautiful redesigned print edition, and next we're going to be putting our, all of our focus on the web. So what is our web redesign going to look like? We're going to completely overhaul that, so stay tuned. We're going to be launching various products. I'm really excited about our afternoon newsletter that we're going to be launching early next year. We're going to be doubling our reporting staff. We've already doubled the staff since I came on board six months ago, but we're going to be hopefully even growing it more from there, which is just such a cool opportunity. I mean, how many local newsrooms do you know that are actually growing right now? That's what really made this seem like such a unique and phenomenal opportunity. And and so, yeah, keep keep your eyes peeled for more from the examiner from a tactical perspective, but all of the storytelling itself, you know, journalism is only as good as the storytelling in its bones and keep your eyes peeled for more journalism that fits within those five categories. That's gonna kind of be the soul of everything we do. We're also really excited to launch an events program. So Clint Riley, the owner of The Examiner, also runs a really successful events business, and we have a beautiful event space on site here at our headquarters. And so we're hoping to do what we say, take the stories off the page and into the world and really build community through discussion and celebration and questions and performance and talks and and, and connection above all else. Congratulations. I couldn't be more excited for you because it's not Thank every, it, it's, it's not every day that an iconic newspaper like the San Francisco Examiner has new life breathed into it in the 21st century. I mean, this is a newspaper that was founded in the 19th century and here mm-hmm. we are in the 21st century and you've, you're, you're bringing it back. You're making it relevant you're making it relevant, especially to a, a newer generation. And the the five F strategies, findings, fixes, faces, forum, and fanfare, as I said, I think that's going to resonate particularly with, I think it'll resonate, it's understandable and it resonates with all readers, I would say, but especially with the younger generation and, and younger readership. Now, of course, the business of newspapers in the past has been heavily reliant on advertising. Is that going to be part of your business strategy going forward? Oh, I was waiting for the business question. (laughs) You know, what I'm doing is the fun part. The business question is the hard part. We're looking at all sorts of different revenue generating tactics. You know, advertising will definitely be a part of it, of course. We're looking at sponsorships, sponsored content. Ultimately, one of the really wonderful and unique offerings of the Examiner is that it's free and it's distributed all over the city. I don't know how long we will remain a free newspaper. Mm-hmm. If maybe we will forever, if we can find our way into a sustainable business model, maybe we'll go subscription only eventually. But I think we do have to remain free for the foreseeable future just so we can build back up that readership and our reputation and that loyal following. Subscriptions aren't off the table, but that's, that's another potential tactic. And then um, events I'm really looking at as a potential real moneymaker for us here. Well, this is this is exciting. So now with this new approach and particularly with the forum and the opinion page, the the crusade page, we have so many issues in San Francisco that would merit and benefit from 
a crusade. I mean, where do we begin? Do you want to? Where do we begin? <laughs> Actually, Carly, you know, both both you and I are are residents of San Francisco, and obviously, San Francisco is near and dear to your heart as it is, as it is to mine. It seems as though the last few years, I, I can't pinpoint it, but the last two to three years, we seem to we as a city seem to have accelerated down a down a slope down a path that and and there there doesn't seem to be there doesn't seem to be anything in that roadway in that pathway to stop the decline to stop this this downward this this kind of race to the bottom do you see it that way or is or is it just me did i get up on the wrong side of bed this morning i mean i i I used to see it that way and it's it's kind of ironic the more i dig deep into local news the less i see it that way even though the more privy i am to all of the problems and really just how bad it is but you know i was for a while i didn't feel safe even you know walking around my own neighborhood you just never know what what's out there and just the the humanitarian crisis on our streets the acute mental illness i mean the the filth the it really does feel like nowhere else I've been in the country, you know, in New York City, I'll walk around at 1 a.m. alone and feel totally safe. And in San Francisco, sometimes I don't even want to walk down Market Street in broad daylight, you know. The deeper I connect to San Francisco, the more opportunities I'm seeing of of just sort of beauty and magic and connection and positivity and glimmers of light, you know, amidst all of the sort of darkness. I mean, people are calling downtown a wasteland and and saying that it's still a ghost town, but I have not had that experience downtown. I come to work every morning and I can't even find parking these days and the lines for my favorite restaurants are out the door and things are there are pockets of things that are really bustling again. And so I think it's more complicated than saying it's just a downward trajectory. I mean, that said, it does feel like a different city than the one I moved to 15 years ago. Certainly, it does feel... There's, there's a lot more sort of unruly behavior, unexpected behavior on the streets. You know, you walk through the Tenderloin, you see open-air drug use. I guess it's always been that way, but it's, it's gotten a lot worse. The housing question, just the fact that we still can't figure out a way to build housing. The crime, I mean, the crime statistics don't exactly back up the crime that we're seeing, but just the brazen, I think, nature of everything. And I also think it's unfortunate that that a few high-profile events have been bolstered and and blown up in the media and reflected back to us. Again, we are the stories we tell ourselves. You know, San Francisco has a shoplifting problem because a viral video that showed brazen shoplifting was circulated around the globe and everybody saw it. Maybe that isn't in line with the exact shoplifting statistics, which actually shows that it's down compared to prior years. But what we're seeing reflected back at us is is really those brazen sort of outlier news grabbing events that help form that sort of air of outrage that hear and feel among among residents. Mm-hmm. Now, do you coming back to the forum section, which will be your crusades and opinion? Will you endorse in elections? Will you will the examiner go back to what it used to be in the past and it would endorse A or B or C, um, whether it was propositions or candidates or at the local, state, national level. Is uh, is that in your future? You know, we haven't officially answered the endorsement question yet. We're still in talks 
we have an editorial board. It's myself and our editorial page editor, Gil Duran, who's an extremely talented writer and journalist and thinker who most recently ran the opinion section of the Sacramento Bee. And before that, mm-hmm. he was communications director for former Governor Jerry Brown. And then Clint Riley, our publisher, is also on the editorial board. So between the three of us, we really do need to to make some strategic decisions there. I can't answer the endorsement question yet, but we have been taking a stance on things. We publish at least one editorial a week. Today's was encouraging police officers to to get vaccinated in the wake of a, a police officer who was unvaccinated recently died of COVID-19. We've crusaded from everything for more transparent regulations around parklets to give some relief to small businesses. We've crusaded for more transparency among the Walgreens closures and are they actually closing due to crime? We've certainly crusaded for housing for that that ridiculous Board of Supervisors decision, that the decision heard around the world, rejecting the housing in the Stevenson lot and and the homeless hotels being pushed out of neighborhoods. You know, all of that is is stuff that we really want to take a firm stance on and and hold our elected officials accountable. Now, coming back to the opinion page, will you, in addition to having your own editorial board, will you be encouraging public op-eds? Absolutely. Yep. So we have a wonderful opinion editor who just started as well. Her name's Tamara Strauss, and she's soliciting op-eds. And, you know, we, we, we welcome criticism of our own work as well. We published, you know, a pretty scathing portrait of corruption in the Department of Building Inspections. Mm-hmm. And then the next week, we printed an op-ed by one of the top officials over in DBI who was, we gave a platform to share his own side of the story. And so, yeah, we really do want to run the cross-section of of thoughts and opinions. And, you know, the key is it has to be well-written. It has to be a compelling story. It has to be relevant and compelling narrative. We're not just going to run everything willy-nilly verbatim, but you know, well-edited, thoughtful arguments that take a stand on issues that we're unpacking and we're making sense of and we're uncovering, I think are absolutely welcome in our forum pages. Well, that's exciting, actually, because the importance of op-ed, especially in a community like San Francisco, which is fairly well-educated, certainly very political and opinionated, we certainly need more opportunity. We certainly need more platforms where mm-hmm. those opinions can be shared. Coming mm-hmm. back to the storytelling approach, I'm, I, I just think that's a fascinating approach. I think it's also, as you said, I mean, it's also, it's reflective of how we live our lives, how we teach our children, how we are taught when we are children by our parents, our grandparents. So I, I like that approach. I think that's something that people will will respond to and Thank relate you. to. Thank you. Are there any other innovations there at the examiner that you'd like to share with our listeners coming down the road? Because it sounds as though you are essentially starting with a blank slate and reinventing this newspaper to be something that is more relevant to the 21st century. Any other any other snippets you'd like to share with, uh, with the listeners? I think I've painted a pretty comprehensive portrait. I think, you know, we're banking on events and bring and these sort of real world connections being a huge part of that. And with that comes partnerships. So we're hoping to partner on the ground with tons of local organizations. Uh, one idea we had was to actually bring a, a level of activism into it and community organizing around issues that we really care about. That's something I'm excited about down the road. You know, social media is going to be a big part of that too. I'm actually personally pretty anti-social media. I don't 
use social media myself for, for mental health purposes, especially Instagram. But in this day and age, there really are creative things you can do in that space. So we'll be doubling down there as well. That's sort of a mandate of any modern newsroom. But I really think that where we're innovating right now is, is the type of coverage we're doing rather than how we're presenting it. Well, Carly, in the remaining few minutes of the podcast, are there any closing thoughts that you have for our listeners as we move forward into 2022? I mean, my closing thoughts would be pay attention to the city and pay attention to the beauty around you and pay attention to local news. I think the people always ask me, well, how do I get involved in my community? How do I even begin to start approaching these problems. And I think just a more nuanced and complex understanding of the issues at hand is absolutely essential. I would say of my group of friends, I'm in the millennial generation, I would say, you know, nine out of 10 of my friends don't have a relationship with local news. I mean, now they're reading the examiner because I make them, but you know, (laughs) before that, it's it's New York times all day. It's it's national, international politics, that kind of thing. Um, Culture stuff on TikTok and Instagram, but there's no, deep relationship with the governance of this city. And I really believe that in order to to take action and making your home a better place to be, a better place to live and work, I think first you you really need to be in touch with the issues. So mm-hmm. read local news, really connect with what's happening in your city. That's the best thing you can do to be in service to your to your city right now. And and I think instead of complaining about all the inherent brokenness, really pay attention to those moments of beauty, the public art, the street outreach teams, the way the bay looks when you're standing on top of one of the hills. I mean, it's just, it's still, it's still the best place on earth, I really believe, but it is rife with issues and, and we need to get to work on solving them. Well, Carly, I couldn't agree with you more. And I think that as we go forward, it's going to be, as we go forward, I'm looking forward to having you come back, whether it's six months down the road or 12 months down the road, to give us a report card on how the unique blend of storytelling journalism, your 5F strategies, and the new energy and invigorated relaunch of this newspaper I would love to have you come back in six months or 12 months time and and tell our listeners how it's shaped up. I'd be thrilled. You know, we have a lot of work to do. It doesn't happen overnight, but uh, hopefully we'll have some interesting things to show for ourselves down the road. And I'd be thrilled to come talk to you again. Well, thank you very much. And I appreciate it, Carly, and look forward to having you back again real soon. Keep up the good work. Thank you. And for my listeners, Please take a moment to go to my website, www.thesanfranciscoexperiencepodcast.com, and subscribe. It's free, and it's easy to do so. And by subscribing, you can listen to the past 210 episodes, peruse my book, read my blog post, send me an email, or leave me a comment. This has been the San Francisco Experience with your host, Jim Herlihy, coming to you from America's favorite city, San Francisco.